Hi, you're listening to the Tickled Ink Pod, a podcast about books and fandom. My name is Nabia, and my favorite fictional prince is Prince Philip from The Sleeping Beauty. I'm Diana, and my favorite fictional prince, or earliest favorite fictional prince, is Prince Eric from The Little Mermaid. We obviously just watched Disney too much as kids. <laughs> oh my god, I can't wait to watch the Little Mermaid live action. Yeah, okay, okay, but what are your thoughts on the li- the whole live action thing? I hate Me them. too. <laughs> ah, the only good one to me was Cinderella because at least... Oh yeah, Cinderella yeah, was Because good. They, they kept the whole Disney magic, um, but also it was not a rehash. It was not like... It wasn't. It wasn't like a verbatim yeah. rehash, like script word for word of the original animation, right? Yeah, I think even in like Beauty and the Beast, they added a few songs, but those those songs did absolutely yeah, nothing. Yeah, uh, none of the new songs do anything. <laughs> like in any of the movies, like Lion yeah. King, no, um, Aladdin, I didn't watch Lion no. King. <laughs> so I. I have not watched Lion King and Aladdin. I was just like, meh. Yeah, I think I watched... I think I pretty much... Did I miss anything? Oh, I think I didn't watch, like, Dumbo because it looked creepy. It looks super creepy. Dumbo? I think there was a live-action Dumbo, right? Really? Yeah. Wait, what? I think there was, and (laughs) I was like, it looks super creepy, so I didn't watch it. But I think I watched everything else. Oh my god! No, I, I didn't. I don't realize. I didn't realize that there was a Dumbo. That's weird. Yeah, look at the images. I but, but I <laughs> look at the images. It's so sad. It's so creepy. Like especially this clown Dumbo with the tears. Hmm. Yeah. Done. Yeah, <laughs> I also feel like I'm a bit. Like, I'm a bit young for Dumbo. So I don't have the, like, emotional connection to oh, Dumbo. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, I get what you mean. When did the film come out? 1941. Uh, yeah, I yeah. didn't have So we're definitely way too young for Dumbo. Yeah. <laughs> but having said that, I did enjoy Snow White. That was like, the first yeah. feature film animation from Disney, right? And Bambi. Yeah. I did not enjoy Pinocchio. That was stressful for me. Uh, yeah. I remember... I feel like the earlier ones were dark. Yeah. They were really... Did you watch the Guillermo del Toro new Pinocchio? No. That was quite weird as well. Is this right? I'm looking at Google... It says Lady and the Tramp came out in 1955. Yeah, I think so. Cinderella 1950. Yeah, Cinderella was old. Sleeping Beauty 1959. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Why do I feel like they're more recent than that? Uh, They're pretty old. They're oh. like the old, old. Yeah, because Disney had like eras. Yeah, right? yeah. So I think... <laughs> That era with like Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, that was like the first era of princesses. 
and then yeah. they kind of like were not doing so well and then the Disney Renaissance was the whole musical yes the whole like yes, Disney musicals the, the Little Mermaid Aladdin Lion yeah. King Beauty and the yeah. Beast yeah yeah so that was our time yeah those were the Ellen right. Menken type stuff yeah, yeah. The, the Renaissance was our time yeah but yeah, I loved Lady in the Tram though. I think that was one of my favorite ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Darling, Jim, darling. Oh, they're so cute. <laughs> Poor lady though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so sad. But I love the songs. It's like, he's a tramp. He's a mean one. Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch. What was it? The Fox and the Hound? Yes, but I did not. That was so depressing. I did not imprint on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all those, they were so depressing. Fox and the yeah. Hound, Aristocats. Yeah. Like, I couldn't, like, they were so sad. I just couldn't do it. I think I love Aristocats, though, because I love cats. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I think maybe then the reason I didn't, as I said, imprint on it is because I'm not a cat person. <laughs> Okay, so we've gone completely off anyway, tangent in yes. our intro. <laughs> that tells you about how this episode's going to go. <laughs> so anyway, we are back on track. Are we? <laughs> on Siege and Storm. <laughs> At least the intention is there. Um, so we we had a random interstitial last week, but now we're back. We are back in the Grisha verse. <laughs> yes. And we're heading into Siege and Storm, um, the the travel scene, uh-uh. <laughs> which is probably why we put it off because this chapter, this set of chapters is actually like kind of boring. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's more like I I think it's also more of the PR scene, like finally. <laughs> Alina's thinking about marketing herself because Nikolai's all about that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think you're right. <laughs> She's doing the PR. <laughs> marketing campaign. So I guess where we left off on Siege and Storm, Alina had just punched Nikolai in the face yes. after his big reveal of who he yeah. is. And then, and then we sort of open on like them decompressing they're in they're in a tent and um and Nikolai shares more about about himself and his past and who he is and how you know he trained he was a member of the infantry he wasn't just like a for show officer of the army he wanted to actually train and fight along the men um and then he trained with what was it Fearden shipbuilders oh yeah he apprenticed with them because he's clearly like super into this building stuff. So he learned with all the, the Rafkin neighbors undercover. I guess they didn't know who he was um, about shipbuilding, about weapons, about smithing and, and all that stuff. Yeah. So so all it all it does here is basically setting up who is Prince Nikolai or Sturmhond or all the many faces that he wears. Mm. What do you think about Nikolai? 
after like this set of chapters? So I really like what I really like about Nikolai is he is not shy to say that he's ambitious. Like mm. he does he doesn't care that anybody else knows he's ambitious. He's like, I want the throne. I don't care that I might not be uh the true bloodline. Like Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to take that throne because I actually care about this country. Because to him, like, yeah. his, the crown prince, like, okay, his dad doesn't really care about the people either. And the brother doesn't. He just cares about horses and gambling and women. And he actually, like, the kind of person he is, he wants to get down and dirty. He wants to be on the ground doing things to improve yeah. the country. Yeah, like all the stuff that he's been doing as Sturmhond, he says, you know, smuggling weapons and supplies across the borders, he couldn't have done that as the prince. Yeah. So he was saying like, all the stuff that I did, well, you know, obviously it made me a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> it also had other sort of societal impacts. Yeah. Well- <laughs> positive impacts on the people yeah. right so what did you think about Nikolai I still can't make him out I mean yes I I agree he's ambitious clearly that's a, a thing yeah. but also you know is he, he he's painted out in this set of chapters as being noble as well mm. like he's got he's got funny quirks in his character but his motivations seem to be noble and sincere in that he really just wants to do the best for the country because he, that's that's like his his main goal, right? Is is making sure Ravka comes out of this um, on a good note. So I don't know. I mean, I obviously am biased by the portrayal of the actor in this <laughs> series, just like I was with Ben Barnes <laughs> and the Darkling. <laughs> I'm so easily swayed by pretty faces. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, um, I don't know, like, I guess because we kind of see him wearing many faces, but we kind of know those are the faces he's wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the way he's portrayed in the book, like, Alina kind of knows when he's not being his true self. When yeah, he's just, like, she calls him on his bullshit, yeah, right? when he's, like, pretending to be something. Um... But it's kind of needed, like the, who he is, the position he's in, the kind of things he wants to do. He does have to wear many faces for that. And he's constantly thinking about how, I guess that's the bit that makes it a bit harder to sort of like be fully team Nikolai. Mm. Because he is playing a political game. Yeah. Like he, he does it, he, he admits it openly to Alina at least, yeah. that he he is doing everything he's doing for the PR. Yeah. Like, he's spinning everything. So it, it, it does make it a bit hard for us to sort of really trust mm. him. And I don't know, I mean, I I appreciate it. I appreciate his honesty mm. with Alina. Mm-hmm. And like you said, when Alina calls him out on his, on his crap, I also like that he doesn't, like, sulk or punish her or... Yeah. Or, or take it negatively. He just sort of, like, cracks one of his quips and, and laughs it off or moves on. Yeah. Or he's he just says that it's it's a ne- it's a necessity, right? Like I have to do this. Yeah. If I want to win over the country. Yeah. 
But I do agree with you in that we can never really tell, what, like if any connection he makes, um, you know, on a person to person level, like if it's real or is it because he has yeah. an ulterior motive, right? Yeah, like the whole okay, talking about connections. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in this, in the first chapter, he makes a proposal. Proposal. Yeah. <laughs> He drops a bomb, which I love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, yes! I mean, the way he does it, the way he did it, and, and I was just like, <laughs> You know how I feel about Malina. I know. And I'm just oh, like, okay. We'll talk about Malina anything, here. Anything to add drama to yeah. it, right? I mean, that's... For me, it's like, yeah, because they're so boring, they need all these like external yeah. influences to spice up their relationship. They were just so boring in these chapters. I mean, in... In this whole book, to be honest, I'm just... She's like, an old married yeah, couple. I'm just like, okay, I'm done with Molina. Like, she can go marry Nikolai, you know? Why not? It's a good... It's a good alliance. It's spicy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Keep things interesting. <laughs> so, again, they talk about the plan. Because he said, you know, basically he's saying that my client that I said was waiting for us in, in West Rafka is obviously me. Um, but I know you don't trust me. You have no reason to, but I'll abide by what I promised you aboard the Volvokni. Volk. Volk Volni. <laughs> aboard the ship. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen to what I have to offer. If you're still not interested, Sturmhorn's ships will take you anywhere in the world. I think I I think you'll stay. I think I can give you something no one else can. And Mel goes, this ought to be good. <laughs> It is good, Mel. <laughs> it is so good, Mel. You had no idea. <laughs> He's like, I can give you the chance to change Rafka. I can give you the chance to bring your people hope. Oh, is that all? Alina said. And just how am I supposed to do that? He drops his banger. He goes, by helping me unite the first and second armies by becoming my queen. I squeal. <laughs> And Mel's just like, you know, he's shoving the table and he's like... I know, his instant reaction was so good as well. I was just like, yes, Mel, yes. <laughs> but it makes sense. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah, the, the prince who wants to rule Ravka with the sun summoner at his side. Yeah. And you can see in this whole set of chapters, he's really like... He's really showing to the people that, look, the Sun Summoner is back and she's back with me. Yeah, he's like really playing it up to like on his um his campaign. (laughs) (laughs) Kissing babies. Like there's there's lines about kissing babies in here. (laughs) I love it. And he goes from like, you know, like kissing her hand to like full on, like kissing her on the mouth. <laughs> I know. I know. I have like tabs all over for all of these scenes. <laughs> it's good. It's good. But it's, but then like, so obviously Mal reacts extremely negatively to this. Yeah. As does Alina. Because she's like, what the hell are you doing, bro? Yeah. <laughs> Not in front of Mal. <laughs> Sermon says, I'm not proposing a love match, you heartsick oaf. <laughs> Just a political alliance. <laughs> if you'd stop and think for a minute, you'd see it makes sense for the country. 
And Mel goes, you mean it makes good sense for you? And I love this. He goes, can't both things be true? <laughs> yeah. And I love that he loves to like provoke Mel too, which I love. I he know. just like pokes it. He it's pokes, like pokes, he, pokes, pokes. Every last word, every last word he says is like expressly to make Mel <laughs> jump up. <laughs> yeah. And Alina's like, you need to stop that right now, Nikolai. Just <laughs> like, stop provoking him. I know he's because he says and Mel says you have no right to her but Nikolai is so right here he's like and you think you do yeah did you think that she's just some peasant girl you tumbled and you get to run off with her she's the most powerful Grisha she's the sun summoner that was like prophesied or destined to save Ravka and you want to just run off with her yeah so I mean you know there's this whole like prophecy destiny versus free will and choice thing here but even alina knows it alina knows deep down that she has to go back to rafka she has to do all that she can yeah. to tear down this fold right yeah. and you see the conflict beginning between mal and alina here not just because of nikolai <laughs> i think it's it's definitely more than that right it's that they want different things. Yeah. And I like... Ultimately. Yeah, I like... The thing I like is that... Because Nikolai is so unashamed about his ambition. I think Alina starts to voice that she does have ambition yes. too. And she goes... Yeah. This is the one like after she was proposed to... She goes... I don't want to marry you. But I do want the second army. Yeah. She's like, I, I'll return with you and I'll help you yeah. in your bid for the throne. Yeah. As the leader of the second army. Exactly. And I like that he brings that out in her. That she starts yes. feeling like she doesn't have to be ashamed. That she wants. Like she has power and she wants to use it. Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't always have to just be the tool to bring down the fold. Yeah. She could actually take a position of command. Yeah. Right? Like in the previous episode about Siege and Storm, we talked about... Learning leadership skills, yeah. you know? So, you see, I put a note in our talk, in our outline. I was like, good coaching, Nikolai. Exactly. He's such a great mentor. I, he really is. Wow. <laughs> like, after that, he was, like, coaching her, you know, like, there's, like, a whole section of, of like, yes. what to do, what to say, like, don't do this, don't, like, do this, don't do this. It's like, get them to follow the little orders and they'll just get into the habit then follow the big yeah. ones right so there's so many little sort of like little nuggets of gold and advice that that he drops in the next chapter yeah. as, as they start making their slow procession um towards os alta yeah. and he's just grooming her right at this point exactly um grooming her for the position of leadership um how to start owning it like you said yeah uh, not not just like don't don't wait for permission anymore you know like if you want to be the commander you start acting like one yeah and and then he shares more about his own past like when he first became Sturmhond and how he wanted to get people to fear him and he had to do some pretty gritty things that sort of went against who he is um but he did it because of he knows the the language of what his enemies speak and what they're afraid of and what they respond to yeah and 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 these are the things that Alina needs to start doing. Yeah, exactly. I think in this set of chapters, that was one of the big things for me. Is just seeing 
how Alina flourishes under Nikolai's tutelage. Tutelage, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And, and and seeing her, I think at at this point you start seeing three very distinct characters emerge. Mm. Like there's Nikolai, he's forming into a real player, full fleshed. And then Alina as well, as we said before, Alina and Mal sort of start to diverge from being this one entity yeah. um, into having individual wants and needs and desires. Mm. And and I like that. I like that for Mal. Yeah. I think, yeah, let's talk about Mal. So in this section, after the proposal, they talk about what they want to do and what they want. Mm-hmm. Mal basically just he wants to go back to his old life of being in the army of being a tracker mm. but he knows that's probably not open to yeah. him because he's a deserter and he's actually afraid to go back to Os Alta with Alina because he knows that there's a really high chance that he could get executed for deserting his post yeah. so after after the proposal Nikolai goes off and Mal just says and where will I go right mm. And that stops Alina in her tracks because she says, she says, I, I thought you'd come with me. And and this is where it all sort of happens, where we realize Mal isn't all about just following Alina and what she wants to do. Like, he will do that for her. He will find her the third amplifier. He will help her lead the second army. He will help her tear down the fold. But then he says, when all this is over, I wonder if you'll still want me. Mm. And you start to see this. I don't know. Maybe I was reading too much into it. But I, I, I did see like a parallel between this Mel and Alina and the Mel and Alina that we were introduced to in book yeah. one. Because he was the popular one and the self-assured one. And he's very clear about what he was going to be. He's going to be like a master tracker. Mm. And... And everybody was into him. And Alina was the shy, sort of incompetent one. Yeah. <laughs> and then now you see the roles reversed. And Mal has seen, like, not one, but two very powerful men courting Alina. Mm. And also seeing her step into this position of power and really sort of own her Grisha power. And, yeah, maybe starting to feel she's a little bit out of my league. And what... Sturmhorn said about running off with the most powerful Grisha in the world. She's not just some peasant girl. Probably struck a chord. Yeah, right? yeah. So for me, like, yeah, as you said, Mel, he's sort of lost. He's lost, right? He doesn't yeah. know who he is without his identity as a master tracker in the first army. Like, I think he, that was him like at his peak he's like this is who i am and now he's lost that and he doesn't know who he is and he's starting to become a bit codependent like i think it used to be alina who was the codependent one who's like i will follow mel wherever he goes because he she just needs to be with him and now it's sort of like mel who needs alina more yeah and he's because Everything about Mal now is just about protecting and helping. Yeah, him and he's so he's he sounds so insecure now. You know, like he's yeah, like poor yeah. guy, poor guy. 
But also, it doesn't make for a character like kind of want to root for. This <laughs> is like, oh man, like yeah, get it together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're so clingy, <laughs> like, bro. Give me some space, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, oh my god all the poor all the Mal fans must hate us Um, and then and then he was dishonorably discharged right so they petitioned the king at least they managed to you know have uh, have the king put away the punishment for deserters which is death so instead of getting hanged he's now dishonorably discharged which you know, takes a toll on him as well. Yeah, because he loved being a member of the first army. Yeah, and I mean, I have to say though, in that scene, so towards the end of this chapters, when they get to the palace, and and they get their pardon from the king. Like Nikolai had obviously been talking him up to his father. Mm. Like you know, he saved Alina. He saved me. Blah blah yeah. blah. Um, he did it for the right reasons, helped us fight the Darkling. And I think the king was like ready to accept that version of events in that story and be like, yeah, you're you're actually, a, you know, in your way, you are a hero, even though you are a deserter. But I like to see Mal take accountability here. He's like, yes, I did it for what I felt were the right reasons, but I was, but it's still a decision. Yeah. And then Nikolai was just like rolling his eyes. He was like looking heavenwards, like why? <laughs> like, Bloody noble exactly. fool. Exactly. Like, are you trying to kill yourself? What are you doing, dude? But I yeah. like that because unlike the Darkling and even Nikolai to an extent who can sort of like rationalize and justify all their actions yeah. and to, to sort of suit their needs and narrative. Mm. I mean, Nikolai to an extent, right? We don't see him do that as much as the Darkling does. But with Mel, it's like, yes, I did it for what I felt were right reasons for me, but in terms of right and wrong in the black and white yeah. terms, it's wrong. Yeah. Right. He has integrity. And, and, yeah. Yes, which I appreciate. Yeah. All these good values, yeah. good culture. Yeah. It's admirable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah annoying <laughs> especially when you're Absolutely. trying to save his life like... I know a little bit cloying <laughs> but admirable I suppose <laughs> but yeah poor Mal so Mal's like trying to find his footing he I I don't know I guess he doesn't he, at the same time is like wanting to protect Alina wanting to be with Alina he's also like to me, I get the feeling he doesn't want to be defined by Elena. He's like, what am I now? What am I supposed to do? Yeah. Who am I? What am yeah. I? And So at least he's like aware of his yeah. codependence. Yeah. <laughs> he's got self-awareness. <laughs> <laughs> so you see, the you know, listeners, as much as we <laughs> as much as we like slam Mal, we do admit that he has really good qualities. He does, he does. He's just like in a bad place right now, which makes for a very, like, as a reader, it's just like, ugh, come on, Mal. Yeah. (laughs) He's also just not a very intriguing love interest to read. True. (laughs) Especially in this book. 
Especially in YA. Yeah. We like, we like our love interests a bit tortured, you know? Exactly. <laughs> or like... A bit conflicted. Or unreliable you know, narrator, you know, like Nikolai. Like, you don't really know what's going on with him. It's like, is this real? Yeah, is this not which real? Why, yeah. I guess... I guess maybe... And I don't know. I Like, like we say so many times, we just don't know how this series yeah. ends. So I don't even know if they end up together. But... Which is why it's so hard for us I think or so so different for Leva to go to write a love interest who is so steadfast and boring <laughs> because like <laughs> because when we we've gotten so used to like reading YA fantasy where the love interests are so they have their own internal conflict and, and they also deal with like right and wrong but they also have like very shady moments yeah and you see that sort of like redemption there's always a bit of a redemption like you saw it with peter malark yeah <laughs> you saw it like i mean I, I can name a few more but i don't know why peter came to mind because he was also pretty boring exactly <laughs> like so so in, mel in is kind of like peter in the beginning yeah in yeah. the beginning like he's very steadfast yeah, very because he was all yeah. about helping katniss, katniss yeah right? so like, yeah so, so yeah, I think that's like the closest parallel I can yeah. draw. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, I love. I I want the protagonist to end up with someone who's steady at the end of it. Like at the end, when everything's said and done. Uh, yeah, but we want to read yeah, a great love exactly. story. But for entertainment value. <laughs> yeah, we want we want to read the spicy. Exactly. The spicy love story because yes we know real life blah 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 but reading isn't about real life it's about escapism yeah. and you know we want the passion through these characters we want the passion <laughs> <laughs> so okay so that was Mel what else happened um, anything else to well, say okay, about Mel so then eh, yeah. <laughs> eh. he's a good guy he's a good guy <laughs> we'll we'll catch up with him later. Yeah, something comes up. Um, I guess then the other... There's like two or three sort of big things or events that occur, right? So as they're making their procession back to Os Alta through the villages and mm-hmm. towns and, you know, they're doing their PR, politicking thing, they also get joined by the faithful followers of the Sun Summoner yeah. cult that was started by the Apparat. Yeah. Like dirty peasants, yeah. right? So like... I mean, literally described as dirty <laughs> peasants. I'm not, I'm not disparaging poor people, okay? Pavos. Um, yeah, but they, uh, so they first see them in Krabersk and they were selling part Alina, right? They were like, Alina, Alchin yeah, Alina. Genuine Alina. Genuine Alina. Genuine finger she, bones. She, she doesn't understand the language and then... And then the old man is like, Alina, Alina. And and she has a moment where she's like, oh, wait, he he knows me. He's calling exactly. me. And Nikolai's trying to draw her away because he knows exactly what's going yeah. on. And he knows she'd be like horrified by it. So he's like, get away from there, get away from there. And and she's like, but he knew me. He knew my name. No, he didn't. He was trying to sell you finger bones. Genuine, genuine Alina. Genuine Sancta Alina. <laughs> You're quite the good luck charm. <laughs> And it's like, those are supposed to be my fingers? Knuckles, Knuckles toes, toes, fragments of rib. <laughs> yeah. 
And it's like, if half of those were really your toes, you'd have about a hundred (laughs) feet. Yeah. And then this one echoes um, what Apparat had said earlier, because when he says that, he's like, superstition is a powerful thing. And then a voice behind them says, so is faith. And it was Tolia. Yeah. And and you also start to see more in these chapters about Tolia and Tamar. Yeah. And they're sort of, they're Shu, right? They're Shuhan, yeah. Grisha. And I think they had a very different belief system where the, the whole Grisha sort of power, how they were raised by their mother at least, was like Grisha power is very closely interlinked with faith, religion. Yeah, divinity. Yeah. Yeah, divinity, etc. Whereas like in, in Ravka, it's the small science. Mm. Um, so it's so it's different, right? And and you start seeing all this, and and they even talk about, I think Tamar was it who was like, oh, they say the earliest, all the earliest saints were Grisha, mm. right? And Alina to Alina, that's something that she's never heard before. And she's like, who says that? And he's like, enough that they got ex- that their leaders got executed, right? So, yeah. So you start to see again this interplay of faith, religion, and the power of the Grisha. Yeah. And yeah, you can certainly see that happening it's like people with supernatural powers in the early days yeah especially super strong it makes ones. sense of course people can't make sense of it and probably think wow what is this divine power that they've got yeah yeah so apparently like now people are buying alina's bones because the apparat has told people that you know alina died in the fold and has been resurrected as sancta alina so this is yeah. is this the first time did we talk about this last episode? Or is this the first time she heard about herself being a saint? Yeah. Because in in the last few chapters, they were like too busy running away. Right. right? Yeah. And dealing with the fact that Darkling is back, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and now it's like the first time she's in Ravka and she sees that people are actually yeah. following her. Sankta Alina. Yeah. And to your point, it's like, so now she's gathering her own groupie <laughs> yeah so you've got the nikolai procession with the first army soldiers yeah. and then she's got her group of like her ragtag traveling pilgrim yeah which is pilgrims. which are growing by the town like yeah because people are, are getting drawn to her because in yeah. each town that they stop the nikolai insists on making a spectacle right like he he chooses to arrive at either sun up or sundown yeah. so that she can best showcase her powers. It's <laughs> all about so timing. drawing people towards <laughs> No, I love him. Yeah, I love him. I was like, I wish, like, if I wanted to be famous, I would totally hire him as my PR manager, you know, right? Yes, my stage manager. <laughs> my everything manager. Just, like, schedule everything to showcase the best of my ability. <laughs> I, I love it. He said like, he always tried to time our arrivals at dawn or dusk. Yeah, all the better to show off the sun summoner. <laughs> Makes so much sense. Yeah, and then he goes. When he caught me rolling my eyes, he just winked and said, "Everyone thinks you're dead, lovely. It's important to make a good showing." I love how he's just like lovely, sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love it because he's hot, like the actor. <laughs> if he, if not, it'll just be creepy and smart. So please, please don't, please don't randomly call me lovely or sweetheart. Okay. <laughs> Yes, lovely. Unless you're my husband or Diana. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get to call you lovely. Yeah, you get to call me lovely wifey. Oh, yay. 
Yeah. So so she's got this growing pilgrims, uh, you know, this growing group traveling with her. But they're also, they are fanatical. Like, yeah. They're. It's a bit creepy. Yeah, they're very, like, crazy, zealous, like, in their passion towards her. I just, like, to my mind, I get images of followers of the High Sparrow from Game of Thrones mm. and how they were, like, exactly that, like, overzealous mm-hmm. and, like, super fanatical and... and It's a bit scary because I'm just like, when is this... Because I feel like there's such a sense of foreshadowing and foreboding in these sense of chapters because nothing much happens. Yeah. But they're setting all these players yeah. like around Alina. I'm just waiting for it all to like for the shit to like hit the fan. Yeah. And and everything to just come ahead, right? Like I don't know how it's all like the apparat is mentioned mm-hmm. here in relation to the followers, but nobody knows where he is. Yeah. He's clearly on being hunted, right, because of his role in the coup. Yeah. So I'm just waiting, like, when is he going to show up and what is he going to do? What else happens in these chapters? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, in addition addition to, like, building up her fan base, she's also appointing her officers, Mm -hmm. right, or her her special guard. Yeah. So then, yes, as Nikolai mentioned, (laughs) like, Mal is the captain of her special guard. Yeah. And Tolia and Tamar as well. And I think they're, they're keeping it at that, right? So it's just the, the three of them. Because at this point, they really don't know who they can trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... And she she makes it a point. She doesn't want to have anything to do visually or imagery-wise to be linked to the Darkling. So she refuses to have any black in her kefta. Mm-hmm. And... She refuses to make her special guard wear uniforms like what the Darkling did, but instead she gets them little sunburst pins. Mm-hmm. And I think it's cute. I want one. I think like, it's not showy merch. enough, though. Like, so I was like, I mean, in a PR type of aesthetic, like, it's hard to see. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you want livery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I want to see a show of people. But anyway, but I understand. Yeah, you can appreciate yeah. her intention. So she wants to like narrow the divide between the people and Grisha yeah. and not create that otherness and that sense of like, oh, we're special. Yeah. We're more powerful than you again. Yeah. So that's why she keeps it quite subtle and they get to wear like their regular clothes. Yeah. Like I, I like the sense of intuition that Elena has. Like I th- She's leaning into, she doesn't really know why she's making these decisions, but she's like leaning into it. She's like, I don't want a separation. Like, I don't want separation between, you know, like even within Grisha, like Korporalki versus, yeah, I don't know, like Materialnik. Like everybody is equally important. There's no rank. Yeah. Um, and I think she also, she feels... um. Like, there is power from being held up as a saint, right? So I think she wants to also be seen as, like, a normal person. Like, yeah. like one of you, like, from the people. Because the pressure as well, I think, is getting to yeah. her. Of, like, the moment you accept sort of the saint mm-hmm. 
title, you're accepting this responsibility. And at this point, she still has a lot of self-doubt of whether or not she can do it. Yeah. And she, she seems to think like the only way I can do what these people want me to do is if I get this third amplifier, which is something that's external to me. Right. So, so I mean, maybe as well, the fact that she wasn't brought up Grisha mm. and she came to it so late so she understands what it feels like to be outside of that Grisha bubble. Yeah. And to be one of the peasants, an orphan, and one of the first army. I guess she truly understands that's where the empathy comes from. And she understands how people react yeah. to these shows of like wealth and grandeur and power. And so she's really trying to show... Yeah, so she's putting her own sort of PR spin on it. It's like... Nikolai is playing that man of the people thing and, and so is she in her own way. Yeah. Right? I like that. I think I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how the second army will will be under Alina's command. Well, you've read to the end of the book, so you don't <laughs> don't tell me anything. <laughs> I wanna talk about the, the scene where they arrive at the gates of Os Alta mm-hmm. and are greeted by um, first army soldiers and oh yeah yeah Vasily yes the crown prince <laughs> the crown prince I know like talk about like a PR showdown right <laughs> I know it's like I brought my own army yeah <laughs> because Nikolai was so like so so sure so 100% confident that one his dad's too sick to rule the country and Vasily has no interest in being king. Yeah. He wants to like go off and party and buy horses and do his thing. Mm-hmm. So for Vasily to show up in, with this show of strength, um, to greet them outside the gates of the city, yeah. it really sort of like sends this message like, oh, maybe Nikolai is wrong about a few things, right? Yeah. And and it, like Alina was worried. She's like, oh. Like, so the first thing she was worried about was when she saw Vasily bringing, you know, like, I think it was the cavalry, right? Like, were, were they not like horses? Yeah. Hundreds of soldiers of the first army stood row after row of armed men, maybe a thousand of infantry, cavalry officers and grunts. Yeah. So that's like huge. That's a huge army <laughs> just got... to say hi, you know, like, welcome back, baby brother. He got a thousand soldiers information. Exactly. <laughs> just for his little show of strength. That's excessive, right? Like, just to be like, oh, I, we have to greet a royal prince returning home. He Vasily that's says. A power move. Yeah. Like, uh, like Vasily says, the return of a royal prince is no small thing, even a younger son. So there's also these like um, subtle yeah. like digs. Mm-hmm. It's like yes, it's like putting him in his yeah. place. Like you're the younger son, exactly. Yeah. Because he's obviously heard mm-hmm. about their journey and what Nikolai's been doing, and probably hearing about how everyone's talking him up, and because it's been a slow procession, right? Nik- like Nikolai's doing that on purpose. Yeah. He's trying to win people over. Yeah. And clearly it's getting back to Vasily. And he's like, the moment I heard that you were coming back, I made my way back to the city. And and so he knows. Yeah. Like like you can tell he knows what Nikolai is playing at. And Nikolai is like, 
I'm just going to pretend like I don't know what he's talking about and just like butter him yeah. up. And so he continues to play the game yeah. with his brother and at the same time establishing in very subtle ways that, you know, unlike Vasily, who was just a for-show officer, he actually was part of the infantry. Yeah. Like he remembers the name of the soldiers that he served with. Yeah. He can recall battles and like skirmishes that he'd gotten into. So again, like he does all these things on purpose and he knows the impact it will have is that then the soldier that he go will go back and be yeah. like, oh, you know, Prince Nikolai remembered me. He's like totally one of one of us. Exactly. So, smart man, Nikolai. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so it, yeah, butters him up and he's like, Oh, like I've got a special horse. <laughs> yeah, that I want you to look yeah. at. So he's like immediately just like, you know what? Let, let's not play this game here. I'm not gonna like posture. Yeah. I'm I'm just gonna play the role of little brother yeah. to you right now and, and get you to like get you to let your guard down, right? Yeah. Like yeah. So I, I appreciated that. I thought that was like masterful. But yeah, but to your point, like I think Nikolai underestimated how much his brother would want to hold on to his birthright. I mean, it is Vasily's birthright because he's the crown prince. And he, yeah, I think he underestimated how much Vasily would want that, even though, yeah, he might not want the hard work of governing a country, but he wants the title, he wants the status that is, yeah, that goes that's on. what he's been growing up. To be entitled yeah. to it, like literally. Like, yeah, who doesn't want to be king, right? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so then, I mean, they have their scene. Um, they, they go into the palace. I mean, we see all the, the scenes of or evidence of what has happened to the people as we continue into the palace as well. There's like a big group of like encamped pilgrims. Mm outside the city who are not allowed to enter because of the apparat. Mm-hmm. Like, the king has put an order. It's like, no pilgrims in the city. Mm. I guess because he's afraid of another uprising. Um, to be fair, I would be too. Yeah. And and then when you get into the city, into the lower sort of commoners area, half of the city, you see signs of, like, poverty. Mm. You see people, like, suffering. Yeah. And you see mixed reactions as well when they see Alina. Like, half the people are, are super psyched to have her back and, and the other half sort of just are, like, silent and staring. Mm-hmm. And these are probably the people who are like, where were you? And Why did you not tell her? Like, I think some people also thought she was in cahoots with the Darkling, right? Yeah. 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 There is still... Because they were, there were so many rumours as well spreading around yeah. the relationship she had with the Darkling. Yeah. So people think that she was in on it and that she helped him like bring down or expand the fold. Mm. So yeah, then, then they, they head up into the rich part of Os Alta and again, like nothing has changed. Yeah. <laughs> like everything's still clean, well manicured. Yeah. All the houses look like they're doing fine. They have a ball. Rich people still going for their walks in the yeah. park. Having teeny tiny foods. <laughs> Oh no! Actually, we missed you. You talked about teeny tiny foods, <laughs> and and it brought to mind. Actually, we missed the, that bit in the last chapter before they get to Os Alta, where they're at the that nobleman's house, yeah. and then 
suddenly a group of Grisha come to the gates. Like these are the Grisha that had deserted their posts and had gone into hiding. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they're led by Fedior. Yeah, yeah Fedior shows up. <laughs> yeah. And, and he basically tells Alina what had happened after the Darklings uprising after the coup. The first army turned on the Grisha and started slaughtering them in their sleep. Mm. Some Grisha fought back and Fedio was part of that group of Grisha that had fought back and then had sort of let the escape to the Grisha that he was with mm. um, and they'd gone into hiding. Yeah. So... Alina, I think Nikolai, Mal, everyone around her is like, we can't trust these people. Yeah. Like, what if they're just spies for the Darkling? Mm. And I really like that Alina basically says, I can't trust these Grisha any more than I can trust the ones in the little palace. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, any of them could be... Spies. Spies for the yeah. Darkling. And I just have to trust in my power, basically, yeah. that if it comes down to it, that I can I can handle the situation. And I need Grisha. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like that part because it was, I think, her first instance as a leader making a very hard decision, right? She's And trusting her yeah, instinct. Yeah, trusting her instinct. She's like... And everybody around her was trying to advise her, like, okay, like, if this happens, you know, what if they spies? And yeah, so she just had to listen to her gut and just go with what she wanted and she's like I can't lead an army if I don't have Grisha and if we keep pushing Grisha who who return I won't have anyone to lead so I'll just have to yeah. trust like I'll just have to yeah. take them and yeah trust in my power that I can control it yeah and you know back to the discussion we had on Fedi- on Ivan like Fedor and Ivan were the OG Grisha that we saw, right? Yeah. So, I guess... Yeah, so Ivan dies. Maybe Fedor is the one that has the whole longer story arc. Mm. Um, right? Clearly, he's he's returned. He wants to... He's sort of pledging his allegiance, in, in air quotes, yeah. to Alina. And Alina takes him in. And basically starts, like... Set, like laying the law and saying like you know we're heading into the city tomorrow clean up right? yeah we want to put on a good show yeah and and Fedio just accepts it takes her orders mm. when they go back to the little palace later on we'll see that the dynamics between the Grisha as well like yeah like that's quite interesting yeah but yeah I mean I just wanted to bring that up before we we get to the Os Alta scenes mm. so then first of all they get to the palace and they have their audience with the king and queen. And the queen, I think Alina's description is like, first of all, the king looks like he's on death's door. Yeah. And the the queen doesn't look any better because she doesn't have Genia. Genia. Yeah. <laughs> so, so suddenly it's like all the years <laughs> is like actually catching up. To yeah. <laughs> but actually, it was touching. So this was the first time we see the queen as someone like human. Yeah. Yeah. Because before this, she was just like a dolled up person with like kind of eerily, like uncanny good looks. Um, yeah, and she was also just like a representation of the entitlement of the nobility and, yeah. and the royal family. Yeah. That was all she was to us because we were just seeing her through 
how she was being portrayed by the Darkling, Jenya, etc. Because that was the narrative that they wanted to push. Yeah. Right? And but then now we're seeing her as a mother and how she yeah. is as a mother and and to be reunited with Nikolai, obviously yeah. her Sobashka. Right? Yeah. So. Cute. <laughs> Yeah, like like she actually she breaks down and she's like Nikolai and she runs she runs to him and gives him a hug and it's shocking for everybody. Yeah. But that was very nice. Like you can see that even the way the king then goes, "Come, come Nikolai" and like gets him to go to the other room with him. The whole family sort of retreats into the other room, mm. um closes the door and leave Mel and Alina standing there <laughs> waiting for judgment. Yeah. Um but in that very short sort of very short sentences that don't really explain what happened behind the door, it shows us enough that there is familial love there. Yeah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. they have a they have a relationship with their son. Yeah. Even Vasily and Nikolai, you can tell, like, there's a, there's a sibling relationship. Yeah. That while they annoy each other and they probably fight over things, there's also, there's also love and affection. Mm. Like, probably very deep down, <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> the sibling rivalry comes up stronger, but yeah, probably there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's there, right? <laughs> and I mean, I, I really like that because you start to humanize these characters as well. Mm. And, and that sort of drives the whole Darkling agenda being bad even further. Mm. But then again, we also can't forget that they did use Jenya yeah, really poorly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So so there's all these conflicts in building these characters, which I think Lieber Dugo does so well. Like there's no outright bad, outright yeah, good characters. They're also grey. These layers. Yeah. yeah. I really like yeah. that about these characters. Yeah. Even just comparing because I've been doing a bit of rereading. I mean, we've been doing a bit of rereading into Harry Potter fanfiction. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and just like looking back at that world and how it was very much more written as a children's book where it's like these guys are bad, like the Dursleys are bad, mm. so she just like made them caricatures of like bad people. Yeah. And then there's the good people who are like all good, like the Weasleys. But we want to see those depths and layers and, and that's how you build really believable characters. Right? Yeah. So like the king, like I found myself... Um, to sort of empathize with the kings, like, oh, like, so sad you were poisoned. But then after reading a bit, and then I was like, but then he was, you know, he, like, was creepy and probably, like, you know, assaulted Jenya. Yeah. Because so, even Alina's, like, her narration is, it goes through that internal conflict. Right? Yeah. So it's like, it's like I started to feel sorry for exactly. him because I see him now as Nikolai's father. Yeah. But at the same time, I can't forgive what he'd done to Jenny. Yeah. And what he yeah. probably does to other servants, right? Yeah. To maid servants. Because I think this is a thing that he does. It's not it's not like Jenny was the first one. Yeah. Yeah. And the queen sort of just like turned a blind eye on it. Yeah. Yeah. And then last but not least, so then the at least for this chapter and, and what I want to talk about the the little palace scenes mm-hmm. right 
So we're going to go a bit into chapter 13, yeah. right? Because it's still setting up. I think we, we can probably cover it quite well in our time. Yeah, so so then the king agrees to let Alina lead the second army, but he's like, makes it very clear that at, at the slightest slip up, the slightest signs of her potentially working against him, like she's out, like he will, he'll probably kill yeah. her. So he also shows that, he also makes it a, a point to show that I, she he really doesn't think very much of of her or of Grisha in general. Mm. Um, and then, then, like you said, Mel is dishonorably discharged and then they make their way over from the palace to the little palace. And here sort of Tamar, is it? Or Tolia? Tolia and Tamar, both of them, they sort of remark on the dead feeling of the place. Mm. And, and to me, that's like foreshadowing or like creepy foreboding feelings that obviously are going to come back later of like, what is it about this space that makes it feel dead to these creatures? Because mm-hmm. um, there's this death in, in the place, right? Um, and then when they get into the little palace, Alina is sort of like shaken by, I think for the first time she realizes how much this place feels like home to her because it's the first place she's ever actually sort of been, accept- been able to call Yeah, her. and I think been, yeah, accepted, been accepted for yeah. who she is, right? Like her power, yeah. that's, that's so much a part of her. Um, yeah. yeah, because she's only ever known the orphanage in Karamzin. Mm. And then after that, she was in the first army where she basically just like camped and moved around with the first army. So it's not like she's had a permanent home and, and the little palace was on, was that place where she really grew into her own and started to build her powers and trained and made friends of her own, not just because, you know, they were in the same orphanage or because like she only had Mal. Yeah. And, and then... When they get there, they see there's very few Grisha left. And they were mostly the younger Grisha. Mm. Because a lot of the older, more skilled ones have gone with the Darkling. Yeah. And so fight a fight breaks out. Sergei is there and Marie. And Zoya. And Zoya, surprisingly, yeah. is there as well. And Zoya is an ally. I love it. Yeah. Um, Sergei is not. Sergei is like why are you the leader of the second army? It should be, uh, what is it, Korporalnik? Mm. Because we are the highest order of Grisha. And and Alina gets really pissed. <laughs> She's like, this this scene was so harrowing. I, I, I was, sh- I was shook. Because <laughs> she was like fully 100% intending to to commit violent murder exactly <laughs> she was gonna because they were fighting over it they were fighting over who gets to rule who gets to da 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 and she's like in her mind she's like I'd like to see you all fight over the <laughs> what was it he said it was, it was too good it was too good for me to like make this up yeah he's like if they needed a lesson I would give it to them they could argue over the pieces of Sergei's body I was like <laughs> oh, damn girl yeah <laughs> Villain origin story, exactly. oh my god. And it's like, <laughs> the light was a blade honed sharp by my fury. 
And mm. at the last second, some sliver of sanity pierced the buzzing haze of my anger. No, I thought in terror as I realized what I was about to do. My panicked mind reeled. I swerved and threw the cut high. Like, she was like ready to cut him <laughs> into she pieces. Definitely gonna kill him, which is crazy. Is that like, where is this sight coming yeah. from, right? Is it the power? Is it the amplifiers? Is it the bit of the Nichevoya that, that came from the wound that the Darkling inflicted on her? Like, what is... Because we've never seen this side of Alina before. We see sort of bits and pieces of her sort of wanting to own more power, being a bit more greedy in it. Mm. But this is next level. I think this is the first instance of like, whoa, Alina, like... Yeah. You need to go talk to someone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, although, like, Sergei's um, argument makes no sense at all. Like, yeah, the Darkling is deserve... not a corpora. Like, you know, and he's the yeah, leader. Yeah, he was like, we must be leader, blah, blah, blah. And then <laughs> Zoya, Zoya puts in a good point. She's like, the Darkling is ethereal. Yeah. Like, he's a summoner. Um, and they're like, but he's a Darkling. It's like, and I'm the sun summoner. <laughs> Yeah, there's this huge, huge argument. Then you see Fedor and Zoya come in and, and they're, fight. they're like, yeah, Alina should be the leader and we support her. But then Sergei and Marie, Marie, right? Mm, Marie, yeah. Marie, his girlfriend, yeah. who was Alina's friend, is like, oh no, it should be us. Da, 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 and, and they start fighting. And then even like, among the Grisha that are there, there's like shouting. It's like someone's like, oh, one of the summoners says, you have no right to question her. Why? retorted a healer. Because she's a living saint. And then someone yells, put her in a chapel where she belongs or get her and her rabble out of the little palace. Like there's all this heckling yeah. that's happening. And I like to see it. I like I like to see there's a, a you know a safe to speak environment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> where where they're like not as scared as they were of the darkling and yeah. and they're they're making their views known. It's like no, she's not one of us. She didn't even grow up with Grisha. But then yeah, Tolia, she's like because they're like she's only been a Grisha less than a year. And Tolia says Grisha are born, not made. <laughs> And <laughs> Lena's like, of course, I thought with an internal sigh, he would choose now to come out of the <laughs> But, I mean, I, as, as scary as this was, like, culminating in the potential murder of Sergei, like, I liked seeing this, that the Grisha are speaking up for themselves, mm. they're learning to have open conversation and dialogue about how they feel the organization should be run. And, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, Alina Alina just needs to control her temper. She's not a dictator. She's not trying to be the darkling. She's trying to be more like Nikolai. So she just has to like remind herself of, you know, these are the leadership models that I have seen and I should follow this yeah. one because it's more effective. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. It's like not entertaining but it was like it was cool to see it's like oh like oh, yeah. is is she gonna be a villain like is, that would be so awesome actually yeah she turned out because we 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 talked yeah. about this in in the last episode where we're like ooh, i'd love to see villain alina yeah like alina in her villain era 
And so this is the start of it, I think, because she's starting to have all this internal conflict. And she's like, you know, she makes all these comments in her in her narration about how she starts to understand why the Darkling felt the way he did about certain yeah. things. And I'm like, girl, I love to see this on you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like when the king talks down to her and she, like, she just has to say, yes, my sovereign. But in her mind, yeah. she's like, you are such a fool. <laughs> yeah, was this how the Darkling yeah. felt? And, and she's like, wow, I, I totally sympathize with him. Now. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so so then, okay, fine. She, she throws her cut high and it damages the golden dome yeah. above the great hall instead like a huge crack in it and everybody sort of then just like shuts up because they're like oh oh shit <laughs> i can do the cut like i think the the grisha who are there doesn't know that she's got this power mm. they'd only seen alina before she left mm-hmm. she didn't yet have the stag's powers she was starting to own her power but she wasn't any more powerful than any other summoner mm. and and then when she ran off and, and got the stag and the whole thing with the the fold and, and how she had done the cut there and like Ivan had seen it, right? He was like, the cut! Yeah. But, <laughs> but nobody else had seen it. Ivan's dead. He can't tell the story. Yeah. And and so to the people who are left in the little palace, this is sort of a big wake-up call for them because I think one of the, the reasons that there's such sort of vitriol against of the suggestion of her taking command is because they don't know how powerful she's gotten mm, yeah. in the time that she's been away. Yeah. And and to see this display, like, yeah, like you said, like, entertainment. hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> yeah. percent. I am here for it. And later when they go to the back of, like, the Darkling's old rooms where the war room is and his bedroom mm. and the guard's room, blah, blah, blah. They go back there and then Mel is like, so you meant to do that? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, not exactly. Um, and then, you know, so I guess she says, she's starting to like doubt. She's like, who am I kidding? I can't do this. It's like a bad joke. And Mel goes, I don't hear anyone laughing. And for someone who has no idea what she's doing, I'd say you're managing pretty well. So it seems her little act sort of... Because the Grisha understand power. Mm. Right? Yeah. And and that's what she showed yeah. them. Which is exactly what Nikolai said to her before. You have to speak in the language... Exactly. That your enemies or the people understand. Yeah. It was like so, an accidental PR act. Like, in her favor. Yeah. It's like, look what I can do. I'm powerful. <laughs> yeah, it could have gone one of two ways. If she'd actually gone through with it and killed Sergei, like... The Grisha probably would still have followed yeah. her, but then it would be because of like what the Darkling was exactly. out of fear. Yeah. But then because she actually then, you know, directed it away and then made the show of power instead, then it's different. But it's going to be a bit more, you know, <laughs> slow moving and she still has to win them over yeah. with with her slow style, her different management style. So. Mm. <laughs> she tells Mal it's like get the fabricators to fix it but don't make it too perfect because they need something to remember yeah. right like scars make good reminders yeah. like the reminder of the scar that she has on her hand mm. um, it sort of keeps her grounded as to who she is yeah yeah 
So a lot happens here. And then it ends with Alina going into the Darkling's chamber, which is now her room. Mm-mm. It's very dark. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a it's vibe. The vibe. Everything's yeah. black. Black on black. <laughs> it's very dark. <laughs> like, imagine it's being like... there at night. Like, Oh my god, yeah, blackout, blackout curtains. <laughs> it's like one of those, what is that room like when you have like no sensory, like sensory deprivation room? <laughs> yeah. yeah, sensory deprivation text. Yeah. I'm imagining that. But then like, it sounds beautiful, like the description of the room. I mean, I love, you know, Pinteresting <laughs> houses and homes. So I have to, I have to go into this description. It's like... The chamber was hexagonal, its dark wood walls carved into an illusion of a forest crowded with slender trees. Above the huge canopied bed, the domed ceiling was wrought in smooth black obsidian and spangled with chips of mother of pearl laid out in constellations. I mean, that sounds gorgeous. It is, it is gorgeous. It's like gothic, dark, but beautiful room. But also whimsical yeah. and like a bit of a fairy tale vibe. Yeah. Like, I love it. <laughs> but it's... So this bit is creepy, and I knew it was coming. So she's in the room. She's, like, taking in the surroundings, and incidentally, my Alina. <laughs> oh, no. Actually, he just says Alina. <laughs> no, he does say my oh, no. Alina. Then he says my oh, Alina. Oh, yeah, then he says my Alina, yeah. <laughs> my Alina, he said softly. And then she's like, this isn't real, this isn't real, I'm hallucinating. But then he comes over, he reaches for her, like his fingers brushed her cheek. Yeah. Solid and real. And then and then she just like reacts in terror. She throws her hands up, the, the lights come, and then Mel, Tolia, and Tamar come rushing to the room to see what's up. And, and she obviously just keeps it to herself. Yeah. She's like, nothing, nothing. I was... I was just startled. Um, It's like, just a bit gloomy in here, she says. All the black. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Mel obviously knows that she's withholding information. But he's not going to push. Because he's a respectful person. You know? I'm not going to push you to talk before you're ready. But I know something's up. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... An interesting, a very boring set of chapters, but it ends with us in a very interesting place mm-hmm. for what's going to take place next. Yeah. Week. So, Alina's in charge. Nikolai's back in the palace. Mal's captain of the guard. She doesn't kill Sergei, but she could have. She could have. <laughs> and and the Darkling can touch her. Has a has a Voldemort link. Yeah. With Alina. Gary. Yeah. But exciting. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to get into the next <laughs> bit. You've, re- or you've already finished the books, right? So... Yeah. I guess we'll probably... I don't know, just looking at the amount of chapters we have left, I'm thinking we probably are going to cover the remainder of Siege and Storm in maybe two more episodes. I think so. Because we're halfway yeah. through right now, right? We're at yeah, the midway and then, point. And then we take it by like chunks of you know, the scenes yeah. and acts, right? So I think two more big acts and then... So 
I don't know. I'm gonna finish the book. I think this weekend, so <laughs> I can get into it. I I can tell you, I've forgotten most of it. Like I only remember the ending. I don't know what happens in between. <laughs> I'm just really curious now because of Shadow and Bone season two on Netflix, and quite a few of the things that had happened in there have happened in the mm-hmm. books, albeit to like different characters. Mm-hmm. But now I'm actually curious to see like how far. Um, they actually how closely they actually followed the book story or what, which parts of the show were totally made mm-hmm. up and, and which parts from the mm-hmm. book because there's this one storyline with one main character that I think was made up but now I'm I'm curious to see if it actually is in here and I totally forgot because that would actually be quite interesting mm. so yeah I can't tell you what it is because I don't want any spoilers <laughs> yeah if we get there I'll let you okay. know yeah, I mean, I still have a finished Netflix show. <laughs> just like, yeah, you can just tell me like if you finish the show. It's like, yeah. yes, no. I yeah, I think now I can watch the show again because I finished the book. Because I think I was holding mm. out because I wanted to finish the book first before I went into the show. So now I have, I can go and watch the show. Yeah, and I can't wait to finish this book. And then get into the next I one know. because because Shadow and Bone only had two seasons, right? And I don't know if they're going to have another one or not. Mm, so Yeah. Yeah, I just can't wait to see the Ruin and Rising. So, like, I tore... I was supposed to read until chapter 13, right? And then I couldn't stop. So I just tore through the entire book. And then now I'm like, I need to know what happens next. <laughs> so I'm like... <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll speed it up. Maybe... <laughs> To put put you and me out of our misery, maybe we should do like two recording sessions next week, so we can just finish the yeah. book in a week, and then we can get started in the next one. It's okay to be ahead of our episodes. Yeah. Thanks for listening and sticking with us this far. We're on Instagram at ticklingpod. Come slide into our DMs for anything really, comments, suggestions, volunteer to be part of for the show. If you enjoyed our podcast, please do follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, rate the show, and share with your friends who are similarly into fantasy YA novels, the Grishaverse, or hot fictional characters. Bye!